Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Sheet. Recorded live.
Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for the music that you have instilled in your people, inspired. We thank you, Father, for giving us different ways of worship that we may lift you up in song, in dance, in prayer, in fasting. And our hands, our voices, our minds, our hearts, our lives, our daily walk, our witnessing, our evangelism, that there are ways of reaching you, talking with you, Lord, in a whisper and in a shout. We praise and worship you, Father, and ask, Father, that you would Help us, Lord, to worship you every day and not just one day a week, that we worship you daily and be grateful people, filled with thanksgiving, not take anything for granted. Help us, Lord, always remember you in all things, to remember your blessings, your mercy, and your grace. Thank you, Father, for the word that you have instilled in us today to bring forth to the elect, to the people who are, who are willing to hear your voice. We ask your Father to anoint the speaking and the hearing and the receiving that may, we may apply your true will and your spirit into our lives every day. Help us, Lord God, to let go of everything that we need to let go of, to humble ourselves at your feet, to bow down to you, not only on the day of judgment, but even now, in the good times and in the bad times, that, Father God, that you would be our light upon our feet and help us to see very clearly the direction that you would have us to go. Let us not be confused, perplexed in mind, spirit, or heart, but to have our eyes firmly focused upon you that you will lead us in the way, that we will not stray in any direction, that we will know your voice and not listen to any other, that you be our Lord and our shepherd, our king, our rock and our fortress, our high tower, our buckler, our strength, our shield of faith, Lord God, that you be sufficient for us, Lord, our king, our Lord, our king, and our God. Praise and worship you, Father. We cannot praise you enough. Give you thanks, Lord, for this service. Pray, Lord, that this service be a blessing to you, Father. Help us, Lord God, to receive your word today, and not the word of man. In the name of Jesus Christ, so be it. Amen. Praise God. You may be seated. You're listening, for anybody that may be tuning in for the first time to the live uh, services of I Saw the Light Ministries. And uh, for the record on the Roman calendar, it is March the 19th, 2016 A.D., in the year of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, March 19th, 2016. And in God's created calendar is the 10th day of the 13th month. Today's topic is going to be about holy traditions versus pagan traditions. Holy traditions versus pagan traditions. 
And we're going to be starting in 1 Corinthians 11, if you'd like to go ahead and be turning to 1 Corinthians 11. Uh, we'll be starting there in just a minute. Now, we usually read from uh, New American Standard Bible, but you're welcome to try to follow along the King James uh, or whatever translation that you may have there. And you can find out on the website at isawthelightministries.com about why we usually read from the New American Standard. But again, you're welcome to follow along in the King James. Now, there will be, as usual, the things that we may say that you may not have heard ever before, because we do not try to stick with the traditions of mankind that have been passed down from my dad, my mom, my grandmother, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, because... uh, Most of those people are dead and gone, buried in the ground. And they may have been Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, Catholic, Baptist, Pentecostal, Mormon, Jehovah Witness, or a thousand other denominations. I do not want to base my teachings upon the teachings of a bloodline of family local customs and traditions of a religious sect. But rather, we should have our doctrines focused on Jesus Christ, what he taught, what the apostles taught, what the prophets taught, what the men of God taught, as written in the Holy Scriptures. And we all, all of us, really, really need to examine ourselves. What do we believe? And why do we believe this? Do we believe this only, only because this is what I was raised in? There's a lot of people on this earth today that believe the way they do. The greatest majority, the greatest majority, believe the way they do only because That is the religion that they were raised in, based on your local location, heritage of the people of that land. If you were born in Tibet, you may be most likely Buddhist. Odds are. If you were raised in Iran, then most likely you were raised Muslim, and you may not question that because that is what's ingrained in you from childhood. If you was raised in Utah, you may be Mormon. If you was raised in Pittsburgh, you may be Catholic. If you was raised in Texas, you may be Baptist, so forth and so forth. But we need to examine ourselves like the book of 1 Thessalonians tells us, 1 Thessalonians 5, tells us to prove all things. We don't want to just go along with mommy and daddy. We need to grow up, study to show thyself approved. Study the scriptures to see if these things are so. 
So you may hear things today that you might not have ever heard before. Things that you may immediately dismiss. Turn the channel and say, he's a heathen, he's wrong, he's deceived, he's of the devil. But that may be based, your opinion, your judgment may be based only upon what you have already been taught by mankind. Now you may believe that you're truly serving God. The Muslims believe that. The Hindus believe that. Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, and a thousand other denominations believe everybody who is not an atheist believe that they are serving the true creator. But not everything. Not all these denominations, not all these sects and religions and opinions and theories of man can be correct. Not all of them can be correct. There's only one way to heaven, and it's only through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ does not have 12 different sects or divisions or denominations or 1,000 or 2,000 denominations. There's only one truth. And we do not claim, we do not claim to be the only true church. We only claim to teach the teachings of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not of Judaism and Hinduism and all the different isms of the world, but only the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Amen. In 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, it says, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. This is Paul speaking. He's writing a letter to the church of Corinthians, which is which was located in what is now modern-day Turkey. But at one time, that was the Assyrian Empire. At one time, it was the Persian Empire, the Greek Empire, the Roman Empire, so forth. Different empires, governments have come and gone through that same land. And each time, that these empires came and, came and went. They influenced the society. They influenced the people. They influenced how the people believed the customs and the traditions and the religions of those peoples in that same town over generations. Uh, as each generation came and went, and as each kingdom came and went, did they totally forget the traditions of the last generation? No. Or of the last kingdom? No. It was ingrained in their minds that they were taught it from childhood. So when the next kingdom came, when there was a change in government, they didn't automatically change religion. It took time for changes over hundreds and thousands of years to occur. So the religion and the custom pretty much stayed the same under the uh, Assyrian Empire and Babylonian Empire. There's really hardly no difference between the Assyrian Empire and the Babylonian Empire. When you read about King Nebuchadnezzar, his empire was identical to the Assyrian Empire before Babylon because Nebuchadnezzar came to power only because his dad had been king, and his dad, either his dad or his granddad, 
had overthrown the Assyrian Empire from within the Assyrian Empire. He was not an outside invader, but he was an inside person, a, 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 a tall official of the Assyrian Empire, and overthrew the Assyrian Empire from within the Assyrian Empire, and then renamed that same empire, that same land, those same people, those same traditions, those same religion, the same customs, and changed the name to the Babylonian Empire. And then Nebuchadnezzar came along, and eventually the Persians invaded and uh, took over uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. But when the Persians came in, they continued the same language, the same customs, the same religion. Only over a matter of decades and hundreds of years, the changes slowly seek in. But even as the next empire came to be, which was what? The Greek empire. By the time the next empire, the Greek empire came there, the Greek empire did bring in new things, but they did not completely dissolve all the old things either. The people continued with a lot of the same traditions. So then the same, when the Roman Empire came, they still continued with the same traditions of the same land, of the same families, of the same descendants, of the same grandchildren and great-grandchildren, of things that had been passed down to them. But then here Paul comes and uh, the new covenant comes and Jesus comes. And by the time that Paul wrote this to the people of that same land, they still held on to some of the pagan, demonic, satanic traditions of the land, of the sins and generational curses of their forefathers. They still held on to a lot of the stiff-necked pride rebellion that the Pharisees had discerning what their forefathers had taught them. The Jews did not completely repent. Israel never really completely repented. They only repented for a time and a season. And then their wickedness came back based on generational curses, generational sins, and the traditions of man. And that's what the Pharisees taught. The Pharisees taught the traditions of man. Now, there's holy traditions. There is such a thing as holy traditions, traditions that are acceptable to God, that have God's blessing, God's backing, even God's inspiration upon those traditions. They glorify God, those traditions do. They edify God's people. But then there's the pagan traditions. And we need to distinguish with the Holy Spirit the difference between the two. And I hope to help you to make that distinction between men's pagan traditions 
and man's holy traditions. Man's holy traditions may not have been commanded by God. God may not have spoken out of the cloud and said, I want you to do this tradition. But he blessed certain traditions. He blessed certain things that man brought forth. And truly, in that way, God was the origin of these particular holy traditions. But not so with the pagan traditions. The pagan traditions were the ideals of the devil, not the ideals of God. The pagan traditions uh, are of the devil. But then there are also another group of traditions. I could add a third category. Not only do you have the traditions of man that are blessed and anointed of God and the traditions of the devil, but you also have man's traditions that are not really God-inspired, but neither are they of the devil. There is a uh, that as well. And that's what we're going to see right here in Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul is saying, imitate me. Be like me. Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Verse 2, now I praise you because you remember me in everything and hold firmly to the traditions just as I delivered them to you. People need to understand that chapter 11 is not thus saith the Lord. Chapter 11 is not, I am delivering to you the commands of God, but rather I am delivering to you my traditions, my customs, that I was taught by my parents, my opinions. This is not thus saith the Lord in chapter 11. Paul even said in other chapters, in certain places, that this is not the say of the Lord. He actually said that. But you never hear that in the churches of man because the tradition that we are taught, the wrong tradition, the lie, the deception that we are taught by many churches of man is that every word in the Bible is the say of the Lord. But it's not because Paul actually said in certain places that this is not of God, but of me. This is not thus say the Lord, but it's me. It's me speaking. And he said that more than once. And he's saying that here as well. These are his traditions. Imitate me and hold firm to the traditions. In his case, in Paul's case, it's not a satanic tradition. It's not a pagan tradition. But we could debate about whether this was a tradition originating with his uh, background, his own personal opinions, or whether it was originating with the Holy Spirit or uh, with God? Was God really putting 
these words into his mouth in chapter 11. That can be debated. It can. So then you go to verse uh, 16. Verse 16. But if one is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice. The King James says custom. That we have no such custom, nor have the churches of God. Now, in between verse 1 and verse 16, you can read that as your homework later and see that he was talking about head coverings and length of hair. And people get so fanatical and treat what he said between verse 1 and verse 16 as the commandment of God that a man should not ever under any circumstances or situation, have long hair, which goes completely contrary to the rest of the Bible. And we should never take just one place in the Bible all by itself to develop a doctrine. But rather, we need to have other chapters and other books to confirm other books of the Bible other places in the Bible, here a little, there a little, line upon line, precept upon precept, to have the sum of his word, as the Bible says, the sum of his word. How it all equals out to be, to get the whole picture. Amen. To get the whole picture, so that we know that we truly understand the will of God. Amen. As the Bible says, that we are to come to know the perfect will of God. Not the perfect will of man, but the perfect will of God. Now, the tradition that he was teaching of men having short hair was a Roman tradition. It was not a Jewish tradition. It was not a Hebrew tradition. It was not an Israeli tradition. Because the fact is that the Israelites viewed long hair on a man as a sign of strength and honor and wisdom and holiness. Long hair on a man was very common and respected among the Israelites, but not with the Romans. And people would say, but all the statues and pictures and everything that we have of that time shows all the men with short hair. And so they jumped to a conclusion to say that the Jews had short hair just like the Romans. But that would be a wrong jump to conclusion because the Jews did not believe in graven images. They did not make statues of themselves, only the Romans did. So we have no statues and bust, head bust and stuff like that of the Jews by far, maybe one or two here and there. But yet we have many, many, many statues of the Romans, but not hardly all of the Jews. So if you find just one bust of one Jew with short hair, that doesn't prove anything. Especially if he's living under the Roman Empire. And especially like Paul, 
who had been raised in the Roman Empire in a Roman city, even though he had a Jewish bloodline. But he was raised in that Roman culture from childhood. So he had influence of the Roman culture. And that influenced his thinking in this manner. Amen. But he never says that it's a sin for a man to have long hair. He only said it's a shame. That's the difference between the commandments of God and the traditions of man. If he had said it was a sin, then he would be declaring this is the word of God. But by using the word shame, it confirms again that it was only the the traditions of man. Amen. Now, my topic today is not hair length, but about traditions and the differences between the traditions of man that may be only from, only from custom, local custom of the time that you live in, and the traditions that were Holy Spirit inspired and the traditions that were demonically inspired. Let's look at another tradition. And this tradition is going to be one that is Holy Spirit inspired, ordained. Even though God did not command it, God's people did, and it was blessed by God. We'll look at a couple of those examples before we go on to the pagan example. Let's turn to the book of Esther, chapter 9. Esther, chapter 9. Esther 9, starting in verse 20. Esther is right after Nehemiah and before Job, which is before Psalms. Esther 9, verse 20. And of course, this is the historical account of the origin of Perm. Perm, P-U-R-I-M. And most people in the United States have never even heard of perm. They have no idea what it is. Perm. What is the origin? What does it mean? Is it blessed by God? Should we observe it? In verse 20, Esther 9, verse 20, it says, Then Mordecai, who was a Jew, recorded these events. And he sent letters to all the Jews who, who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far. Now, Mordecai was sending these letters after the defeat of the enemy, who was trying, plotting to, to uh, genocide, to, to commit a mass genocide of the Jews. And that plot failed and uh, went back to bite uh, Hannah, Haman, himself. 
So the plot of genocide failed. The letter went out to all the people of all the provinces of this kingdom. It is the Persian kingdom, which means the Iranian kingdom. This would have been, of course, in the Middle East, during the Persian Empire. And these Jews who lived in the kingdom had been uh, brought in as servants, as slaves, uh, and many other was allowed to, at that point of time, allowed to live uh, pretty much freely, but still under servitude to the kingdom. And the people would have, especially the younger people, would have been uh, getting accustomed to the language, to the uh, calendar, to the uh, religious and uh, political uh, and cultural customs of their captors, living under that society. Living under that society, they would have been getting accustomed to living under those people. But now that the Jews are seeing victory, which was ordained by God, that God gave them the victory over the enemy within the kingdom, within the kingdom. God didn't overthrow the Persian Empire, but he gave them victory within that empire. Amen. And it says here in verse 21, obligating... Mordecai sent these letters obligating them to celebrate the 14th day of the month, Adon, and the 15th day of the same month annually. Now that word Adar is a Assyrian Babylonian name. And the writer of the book of Esther is using that name of the month, Adar, because that is what they learned while living in captivity of the Assyrian, Babylonian, and Persian empires. Adar was not a Hebrew word. It was not a Jewish word. It was not an Israeli word. It was not a word that God had gave to the Israelites. God did not say, I want you to call that month Adar. God did, God did not instruct that. Adar, calling that month Adar was a custom and a tradition, a method of time developed by the pagans. And Adar is in a name that uh, is in honor of, named after, a pagan god. And all the names of the months, uh, both in the Babylonian, Persian, and Greek, and the Roman Empire that we still live under today, the month of March, January, February, March, April, May. These are months named after demons, pagan gods. And these names, these words, this language has been passed down to us by the customs and traditions of the devil that were passed down through mankind, that we were taught from childhood to call the, the names of the months the way we do. 
And, and that was true in Esther's time, and that is still true in our time. But God always called the days of the week and the days of the month only by the number, the first day, the second day, so and so, and all the way up, even the seventh day was called the seventh day. Even the word Sabbath was an invention of the Assyrians. The word Sabbath is actually not a Hebrew word, even though you've always heard your whole life, you've been taught, they teach in colleges, they teach on the websites, everything, that Sabbath is a Hebrew word, and it's not. You can research it, and research it very in-depth, Go deep in your study, and then you can see that it started with the uh, Akkadians, which were the original Assyrians. That is an Assyrian word. But God always called it the seventh day. Now, when Jesus came and he was speaking to the people, he called it the Sabbath day only because that was the tradition, the custom of the time, the language of the time. And he said Sabbath, he used the word Sabbath because it's only a word. It has pagan traditions, it has pagan customs behind it, a pagan origin behind it, uh, 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 it has a Gentile origin to it, and even a pagan origin to it, in fact. The word Sabbath comes from Saturn. It's actually, the word Sabbath actually is in honor of the planet Saturn because the planet Saturn was uh, a major deity. They worshiped the planet Saturn in ancient Assyria and Babylon. That's why you have the Saturn car that's manufactured here in Tennessee and other places. The, the worship of Saturn has always been a major problem in society, still is today. But it just became a, a tradition or a manner of everyday language. So to use the word Sabbath is not a sin. Jesus never sinned, but he used the word Sabbath. Just like when we use the word January, February, March, these are words that gave honor to planets and false gods, which are actually demons. But we're not actually worshiping those demons. We're just speaking a language that we were taught from childhood. And that's what Jesus was doing, just speaking the language in the language that the people understood. But now there's a difference when we use a word that refers to a demon in our worship to God and call him by that name. That's entirely different. We can say Sunday, even though that's sun worship to say, it's not sun worship to say the word Sunday, it's just a word. But when we say uh, Allah, if we were to call God Allah, that is using a pagan demonic name to worship him, and God does not accept pagan demonic worship. So that is when it becomes totally wrong. That's when it becomes a sin. We should not call the true God, the creator, our Lord and Savior, our almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, we should not call him Satan. 
We should not call him Lucifer. We should not call him Allah. And we should also not call him Yahweh or Yahshua or Jehovah. And I know that some of you never heard that before. You've always been taught that, yes, you should call him these names. But if you search and really go into an in-depth study in prayer and in fasting and really seeking the truth, loving the truth, wanting the truth, not letting the traditions of man dictate you of what you believe, and really search for the truth and want the truth, then you can find that the word Allah is a modern way of spelling the Yah, meaning Yahweh. Even the Muslims themselves say that the word Allah means Yahweh. And it's true. That's a factual statement. So when they say that Allah and Yahweh are the same God, they're right. But when they say that Allah and the God uh, of the of creation who created heaven and earth, they're wrong. Because Allah, Satan, the devil, Lucifer, Yahweh, whatever you're going to call, that is the devil. And not the creator. You don't have to believe me. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to study. Look into the history. Look up the word Yah. The word Yah. It is a goat god. A goat god. It's related to Peter Pan, the jolly green giant, all that stuff. It's all related to the goat god, which is Satan. It's nasty. It's filthy. Uh, a lot of the things that uh, we've been taught Hand it down. These are traditions of the devil. I need to make for sure I've got to reboot the website here. I'm still on the phone, thankfully. Uh, but I can reboot the website itself for those that listen through the um, TalkShoe.com. Appreciate your patience. Of course, that was caused by somebody calling in, trying to call me. Well, probably telemarketers, devil trying to work, but devil does not win. Amen. Truth is revealed. All right, that website up and going again. And of course, we lost somebody that was listening because people don't want the truth. They want their traditions. Amen. They want the traditions of the devil. Well, that can't be right, because I've always, always, always been told one thing. I've always been told this. You can't be right. You're of the devil. Why don't you look? Why don't you ask God? Why don't you fast about it? Why don't you listen to the rest of the evidence? Why don't you listen to the rest of the sermon? 
Has not the Holy Spirit already revealed to you that this is of God? Has not the Holy Spirit, if you have the Holy Spirit, then does not God already reveal to you that this sermon is of the Holy Spirit? But no, I don't agree with it, therefore hang up. That's the attitude, stiff-neckedness, rebellion, and pride of uh, society today and of yesterday. Amen. Let's continue to read in Esther chapter 9, verse 22. Because of those days, the Jews rid themselves of the enemy, and it was a month which was turned from them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday. Wow. Now this was, Purim was not a holiday that God said that we had to keep, that Mordecai and Esther said we had to keep. That they should make them days of feasting and feasting and rejoicing and sending portions of food to one another and gifts to the poor. There was exchange of gifts, well, I don't know about Exchange of gifts, but there was gift given. Gift given to the poor. Well, that's different from Christmas, ain't it? That's the opposite of the tradition of uh, Christmas. Christmas, you don't give to the poor. You just give to one another, uh, even though they've already got everything they need. And give them things they don't need. Try to prove your love to them by giving them, by having, by by the commandment of man that you must give somebody and everybody a gift. The commandments of man. In vain do they worship me. Teaching the commandments of man. Verse 23, thus the Jews undertook what they started to do, and that Mordecai had written to them. They took it upon themselves. This is a good tradition. God didn't command it. They took it upon themselves. Mordecai commanded it. But God blessed it. God anointed it. It originated with the victory that God gave them. Really, God inspired it in the hearts of man to do this. Verse 24. For Haman, the son of a Hamadiah, the uh, the Agalekai, the adversary of the Jews, had schemed against the Jews to destroy them and had cast per, that is the lot, to disrupt uh, them and to destroy them. So even the way, even the name Purim is not in honor of a demon. Purim just means casting lots. It's not in honor of a demon. But when it came to the king's attention, he commanded by letter that the wicked scheme which he had devised against the Jews to return on his own head, that he and his sons should be hanged on the gallows. Therefore they called these days Perm, after the name Perm, meaning casting lots. And because of the instructions of this letter, both what they had seen in this regard and what had happened to them, and the Jews established, not God established, but the Jews established and made a custom for themselves. And for their descendants, and for all those who allied themselves with them, even non-Jews, even non-Jews, 
it's not for Jews only. It's for also for those that align themselves with the Jews. If you believe that Israel has the right, that God gave them right to exist, if you, you believe, if you agree with God that the Jewish people have a right to live, to exist, that they should not be wiped off the map, then you should keep her. You don't have to be Israelite. You don't have to be Jew. All term is is a celebration that the Israelites were not wiped off the map. In today's society, when the Jews are being, uh, where Iran wants to wipe them off the map, and it's only been, what, 55 years, 60 years since Hitler was trying to wipe them off the map, that's not long ago. There's a lot of people still alive now that was alive when that was going on, when millions of Jews were being murdered. Lots of people are still alive that remember that. It's not been that long. And we still have uh, the Nazi party very active on the planet. Very active. We still have that same party still alive today with with desires still yet to take over the world and wipe all the Jews off the map. The threat still exists. Iran, the Persian Empire, at one time, now this was under the Persian Empire, this was under the Iranian Empire, that the king blessed Esther and Mordecai and saved the people by the hand of God. But now the Iranians have turned against, even as Egypt at one time blessed Joseph by the hand of God, but then eventually turned against the Israelites. Sometimes those people that at one time was our friend, sometimes those that helped you will eventually turn against you. Amen. And the enemy still exists today. And that mystery of lawlessness, that mystery of lawlessness is still working today. It's still alive today. Amen. Still working in the children of disobedience. It is important for us to not forget the history of what happened here in these pages written down for us. It's in our Bible. It's in the Bible. And I don't care that God did not command it. God's people commanded it. God gave it. God inspired it. God gave the victory. And it has tremendous, tremendous spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical application in our lives today for the end time, for this generation of the Iranian Empire 
and Assyrian Empire that still and Roman Empire, all these empires still exist. They did not go away. All those empires still exist on this earth so far until Jesus returns. When he comes down out of the sky, that mountain of God will smash the statue and all those empires from the head down and actually from the feet all the way back up to the head, all those empires will be wiped out in one moment by the coming of the Lord. They still stand today. All those empires, the whole statue from head to toe still standing. Amen. But they will all be wiped out. We need to remember these things. This is a good custom. It's a custom of man, but blessed and ordained of God. We don't have to be Jews. And it says so that they should, would not fail. That they would not fail. But we, what we have, haven't we? That they would not fail to celebrate these two days according to their regulation and according to their appointed time annually. So these days would be remembered and celebrated throughout every generation every family, every province, and every city, even in that Gentile land, even under that Gentile kingdom. And these days of parent were not to fail from among the Jews or their memory, fade from their descendants. It's supposed to be passed down even to this very day. I believe that we will even remember it even in the millennium, I do believe. I do believe, and I have no scripture for it, but I believe that even in the millennium, that the days of parent will be celebrated in the kingdom of God until we get to new heaven and new earth. Then every day will be the same. There will be no, no night there. There will be no night, no sun, no moon to tell the time with. So every day will be the same then. Every day will be a holiday. But until then, until then, we have uh, days. We have holy days. Amen. Now, let's look at another example. But for this, for Hanukkah, going from Purim and then going to Hanukkah. I don't know how much on the web page today. I'm going to go into uh, King James Version 1611, which I know that none of you have a copy of that. Um, uh, the uh, a lot of people think they have a sixteen eleven King James version when the truth is that they have a eighteen something version of the King James Bible. Now, you know I'm not a King James uh, King James only person. No, I'm not. Uh, but I was able to obtain 
a 1611 King James, which is the uh, first 1611 King James I've ever seen in my entire life other than over the Internet. And uh, I used to talk to a man that lives in Ireland who owns a original 1611 King James, which means that it would be probably at least uh, two foot long and at least a foot to two foot or maybe even twice that size, humongous, giant Bible that was uh, originally chained to the pulpit. Uh, the, the members of the church were not allowed to have the 1611 Bible. The 1611 King James was not allowed to be given or read by a normal member of the church. It was only for the uh, Freemason preachers was the only ones that was allowed to read from it. And it was chained to the pulpit. And these Bibles, the only ones that exist, or cost thousands upon thousands of dollars to buy one of the few that, that still remain. So only that one person that uh, I used to speak to over the Internet that lives in Ireland is the only one I've ever met in my life that owned one. But I was recently able to obtain, by the blessings of God, praise God, a copy that's not one of the originals, but a copy of a 1611. This is just a miniature copy. And uh, I'm going to be reading about Hanukkah from it, and it contains the Apotica, the, uh, and such as the book of 1 Maccabees, 2 Maccabees. Now, you can also find uh, Maccabees in the Greek Cetudian as well as in the Greek Orthodox. And uh, since I've only got one copy of the 1611 King James, I'm going to let my wife be reading from the Greek Orthodox copy so that she can read Maccabees with me. And if you're on the Internet, if you want to read with me, you could pull up real quick, just uh, Google uh, uh, Maccabees, uh, and uh, maybe you can find... In fact, if you go to isolalightministries.com slash tools, tools, T-O-O-L-S dot H-T-M-L, there'll be a link there where you can go to it immediately if you don't want to Google it. Um, so that's isolalightministries.com slash tools dot H-T-M-L. Then you'll see the links for the Apotheca to read uh, the Apotheca. Click on that very first link and then you can look for one Maccabees. We're going to be reading from one Maccabees. I'll let my wife, my wife read from one Maccabees. Uh, and a Greek Saturian, I'm going to be reading from uh, one Maccabees from the 1611 King James. And But people think they have a 1611 King James, and they don't. They're extremely difficult to find, even a, even a copy like I got. Uh, I've never seen any church, any pastor, any minister uh, that even had one that I knew of. I've never seen anybody preach from the 1611 King James. And it has a uh, uh, the Apotica, <clears throat> the book of Tobit and Judith and 1 and 2 Maccabees and so forth. So people that are King James only people 
uh, they think they've got a 1611 King James, and they don't. They don't even have all the books in it that the 1611 had. They don't even have all the books that 1611 has. And yet they say that the copy they have is the perfect word of God. No mistakes, no errors, nothing wrong with it. They're, uh, people need to be educated about the history of the Bible. Pastors of churches need to be educated about the history of the Bible. All right, so if you're um, continuing to um, turn to 1 Maccabees, chapter 4. I don't know how I lost the place there, but I'll get, oh, here it is. 1 Maccabees 4. And we'll try to read this whole chapter, and I will uh, stutter here and there because the 1611 King James is written in Old English, uh, so, um, if you're reading Maccabees, I uh, don't know, uh, yeah, there will be some differences, whether you're reading from the Greek Cetudian or from uh, the Greek Orthodox or from 1611. There's going to be differences in all of these translations, uh, so a word or two may be different as well as my stumbling over the Old English. So, it says here in 1 Maccabees 4, verse 1, uh, Then took uh, Gorgias, uh, 5,000 footmen, and 1,000 of the best horsemen, and removed out of the camp by night, to the end that he might rush in upon the camp of the Jews and smite them suddenly, and the men of the fortress were his guides. Now when Judas had their, uh, heard thereof, he himself removed, and the uh, valiant men with him, that he might smite the king's armies, which were at Amaris, while as yet the forces were dispersed from the camp. In the mean season came uh, Georgius by night. Uh, does it say Georgius in the Greek? Uh, okay, in the Greek, uh, what you got? Greek Orthodox, okay? And uh, by night into the camp of Judas, and when he found no man there, he sought them in the mountains. Uh, for said he, these fellows flee from us. And as soon as it was day, Judas showed himself in the plain with 3,000 men, who nevertheless had neither armor nor swords to their minds. And they saw the camp of the heathen, that it was strong and well harnessed, and compassed around about with horsemen, and these were expert, expert of war. Then Judas to the men that were with him, Fear ye not their multitudes, neither be ye afraid of their assault. Remember how our fathers were delivered in the Red Sea when Pharaoh pursued them with an army. Now therefore let us cry unto heaven, if preadventure the Lord will have mercy upon us and remember the covenant of our fathers and destroy this host from our face this day, that so all the heathen may know that there is one who delivered and saveth Israel. Then the strangers lifted up their eyes and saw them uh, coming against them. 
warfare, war, wherefore they went out of the camp to battle. But they that were with Judas sounded their trumpets. So they joined battle, and the heathen being discomforted, fled into the plain. Howbeit, all the hindmost of them were slain with the sword, for they pursued them unto uh, Gazia and unto the plains of uh, Asat, Iomia and Asotus and uh, Amia or Jamia or Amia. So they that there were slain of them upon upon a three thousand men. This done, Judas returned again with his host uh, from pursuing them and said to the people, "Be not greedy." of the spoils, inasmuch as there is a battle before us. And uh, Gorgias and his host are here by us in the mountain. But stand ye now against your enemies and overcome them, and after this you may boldly take the spoils. As Judas was yet speaking these words, there appeared a part of them looking out of the mountain, who then they perceived that the Jews had put their host to flight and were burning the tents, for the smoke that was seen declared what was done. When, therefore, they perceived these things, they were sore afraid, and seeing also the host of Judas in the plain ready to fight, they fled everyone into the land of strangers. Then Judas returned to spoil the tents, where they had got much gold and silver, and uh, blue silk, and purple of blue silk and purple of sea and great riches. After this, they went home and sung a song of thanksgiving and praised the Lord in heaven because it is good, because his mercy endures forever. Thus Israel had a great deliverance that day. Now this was a deliverance from the Syrians that were led by Antiochus of Verse 26, now all the strangers that had escaped came and told Lysias what had happened. And who, who then he heard thereof was confounded and discouraged, because neither such things as he would were done unto Israel, nor such things as the king commanded him would come to pass. I think that means that the enemy thought that they would have victory against the Jews that they were going to try to wipe out the Jews, defeat the Jews, but it was turned against them, like it had been done uh, at Paran in Esther. But this is a different uh, time and a different, uh, uh, maybe even generation. So, uh, yeah, a different generation. So, verse 28, the next year, therefore, following, Lysias gathered together three, three score thousand choice men of foot and five thousand horsemen that he might subdue them. So they came into Judea, or I think, I know, not Judea, Idium, and pinched their tents at Bethshur, and Judas met them, uh, 10,000 men. Yep, so the context is that in this uh, first battle, in the first battle, uh, the enemy 
what he had planned to do to the Jews came back to him. But now they come back in a second battle here. Then verse 30, so when he saw in, uh, that mighty army, he prayed and said, uh, this is Judas, prayed and said, uh, blessed are thou, and this is not the same Judas of the New Testament, this is an entirely different generation, that he prayed and said, blessed are thou, O Savior of Israel, who did who did his uh, quit or quiet the violence of the mighty man by the hand of thy servant David and gave the host of strangers into the hands of Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer. Shut up this army in the land of thy people Israel and let them be confounded in their power and horsemen. Make them to be of no courage and make the cause the boldness of their strength to fall away and let them quake at their destruction. Cast them down with the sword of them that love thee and let all those that know thy name let all those that know thy name praise thee with thanksgiving. So they joined battle. And they were slain of the host of Lashius, the pagans, about 5,000 men. Even before them were they slain. Now when Elashius saw his armies put to flight, and the manliness, the manliness of Judah's soldiers, and how they were ready, either to live or die, valiantly, uh, 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 he went into Anachia and gathered together uh, a company of strangers, and having made his army greater than it was, he purposed to come again into Judea, a third battle. Then said Judas and his brethren, Behold, our enemies are discomfited. Let us go up to cleanse. Um, yeah. Uh, let us go up to cleanse and dedicate the sanctuary. Upon this, all the hosts assembled themselves together and went up into Mount uh, Sion. Zion. And when they saw the sanctuary desolate, the temple, and the altar profaned, and had profaned the temple, and the gates uh, burnt up, and shrubs growing to the courts, and in the forest, uh, or one of the mountains, ye and the priest chambers pulled down. They rent their clothes, and made great limitation and cast ashes upon their heads, and fell down flat to the ground upon their faces, and blew a alarm with the trumpets, and cried, Thor's heaven. Then Judas appointed certain men to fight against those that were in the fortress, until he had cleansed the sanctuary. So he chose men of blameless compensation, such as had pleasure in the law, who cleansed the sanctuary, and bury out the defiled stones into an unclean place. And when they had consulted what to do with the altar of burnt offerings which were profaned, they thought it best to pour down, lest it should be a reproach to them, because the heathen had defiled it before they pulled it down, and laid up the stones in the mountain of the temple in a convenient place until there should come a prophet to show what should be done with them. Then they took whole stones according to the law and built a new altar according to the former. 
and made up the sanctuary and the things that were within the temple and hollowed the tent, uh, the courts. They made also new holy vessels. And into the temple they brought the candlestick and the altar of burnt offerings and of incense and the table. And upon the altar they burnt incense and the lamps that were upon the candlestick. They light it and they might, that they might uh, glue light or grow light in the temple. Furthermore, they set the loaves upon the table and spread out the veils and finished all the works which they had begun to, do, to make. Now, on the 5 and 20th day of the ninth month, which is called the month of uh, Caslia. So here, in this verse, 1 Maccabees 4, verse 52, 1 Maccabees 4, verse 52, they use both the true name of the month by the number, the ninth month, and the pagan name, the Assyrian name, Cassia. Uh, so they use both God's word for the month and the traditional pagan name for the month. In the hundredth, forty and eight year, they rose up between the times and the morning and offered sacrifice according to the law upon the new altar of burnt offerings which they had made. Uh, and by the way, that month would be in uh, November or December. It varies year to year according to when the moon is in the, the new moon phase of, uh, about whether that is going to fall in November or December. So Hanukkah sometimes is in November, sometimes in December, maybe even leading into the first week of January. Uh, may even be possible, uh, I believe. So it is a winter or fall, winter uh, uh, holiday. And then verse 54, look at what time and what day the heathen had defamed it. Even in that, it was dedicated with songs, with uh, centuries, with hearts, with symbols. Verse 55, then all the people fell upon their faces, worshiping and praising the God of heaven, who had given them good success. God gave the victory. Amen. So they kept the dedication of the altar eight days. This is why Hanukkah is called the Feast of Dedication. Now notice here it does not call it Hanukkah. Hanukkah is a Syrian word. They say the Jews do not speak uh, true Hebrew. The Jews speak uh, even in that time the Jews were speaking Syrian. Uh, but they did not use the word Hanukkah. They chose to not use it at that time. And uh, and they called it kept the dedication. It's more appropriately, more appropriately, called the feast of dedication or the the festival of lights uh, for eight days and offered burnt offerings and gladness and sacrificed the sacrifice of deliverance and praise. And they decked also the forefront of the temple with crowns of gold and with shields. And the gates and the chambers they renewed and hanged doors upon them. Thus was there very great gladness among the people, for that the reproach of the heathen was put away. Moreover, Judas and his brother, with the whole congregation of Israel, ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season. 
This is Judas, and this is Judas Maccabees, Judas Maccabees, and his brethren and the whole congregation of Israel ordained that the days of the dedication of the altar should be kept in their season from year to year by the space of eight days from the 25th day of the month, Cassia, with mirth and gladness. All right, so there you have it, that the Feast of Dedication, it wasn't the say of the Lord, it wasn't God speaking out of a cloud, it wasn't Moses speaking, but Judas Maccabees was a man of God. It may not have been Moses, and it may not have been Moses saying, God told me to tell you this, but it was a man of God declaring, let's keep these days as remembrance of the victory that God gave us. Amen. It's an important lesson. And the fact that it was victory against Antiochus Apritichis, the king of Syria of that time. That's very important to the end times because as you know, I believe you know, that I do teach that Assad is Antiochus Apritichis. Now, history says, and even Maccabees says, that Antiochus Apritichis died. But see, they didn't know that Antiochus Apritichis was a fallen angel. But according to the Bible, he was. Because it says that he ascended into heaven and cast down the stars of heaven. Well, that's the devil. But the devil didn't do it by himself. The devil had accomplices. Every army has accomplices. Every, ar- every army has a, a general and a lieutenant general. You know? You don't have only one leader. You've got you're not only your president, but your vice president. I believe Assad was an archangel of the devil. That both of them went in together in all of that. So... I believe that the enemy is the same today. I believe that Perm, I believe that Hanukkah are very extremely significant for our time and the empires and the kings, that the eighth king would be one of the seventh, that he is one of the seven, that he will come back, the Bible says in Revelation, that he is, one, he is the eighth king, but he is one of the seven. That's only possible by only if he is a a spirit, a fallen angel. But this is going to blow your mind here, what we're going to read in 2 Maccabees. Let's turn to 2 Maccabees. And I've got a bookmark, the next bookmark there. In 2 Maccabees, let's see, verse uh, chapter 2. 2 Maccabees, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'll let people turn the pages, and uh, if you're reading along with me on the Internet, I'll give you time to click to 2 Maccabees chapter 2. 2 Maccabees chapter 2. I really, really encourage you, every one of you, to take your time to read all 
of the Apostolica. Uh, I'm not talking about the Book of Enoch. I do not believe in the Book of Enoch, the Book of Jasper, those books. I know at one time the Book of Jasper and the Book of Enoch was authentic at one time. But these Book of Jaspers and Book of Enoch that we got going across the Internet are of the devil. They are not the actual, true, authentic books. So be careful. But Maccabees is real. One, two, three, and four Maccabees is real. And I really encourage you to read one through four Maccabees. Those are four different books. One book, one Maccabees, two Maccabees, three Maccabees, four Maccabees. Read those four books, Tobit and Judith, and all those that I've got linked on the website at isawlightministries.com slash tools as Bible tools, but just tools.html. All right, so we're reading here now in verse 1, 2 Maccabees 2, verse 1. It says, It is also found in the records that Jeremy, the prophet, uh, we really should say Jeremy or Jeremiah. We should never really say Jeremiah. We really should not say Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah is a Syrian corruption of the word. Uh, and it's actually uh, adding that word Yah at the end, which is Allah. So more accurately, like it says in Maccabees, even like Jesus said in the New Testament, is Jeremy or uh, uh, Germanus, also Germany. Uh, So it is found in the records that Jeremy the prophet commanded them that they were carried away to take to the fire as it had been signified. And how the prophet had given them the law, talking about Moses, given them the law, charged them not, or maybe Jeremy, Maybe you talk about Jeremy. And uh, gave them the law, charged them not to forget <clears throat> the commandments of the Lord and that they should not err in their minds when they see the images of silver and gold with their ornaments and with other speeches ex- exhorted he them that the law should not depart from their hearts. And it was also contained in the same writing that the prophet, being warned of God, commanded the tabernacle and the ark to go with him. And he went forth into the mountain where Moses climbed up and saw the heritage of God. So all, all these verses are talking about Jeremy. It's calling him the prophet, the prophet Jeremy. Uh, so the prophet Jeremy is warned of God commanded the tabernacle and the ark to go with him as he went forth into the mountain where Moses had climbed up and saw the heritage of God, verse 5. And when Jeremy came there, he found a hollow cave wherein he laid the tabernacle and the ark and the altar of incense and so stopped the door. In other words, closed the door. In other words, Jeremy, Jeremiah, Jeremy, hid the ark of the covenant. And people are still looking for the Ark of the Covenant today. But the Bible says that Jeremy hid the Ark of the Covenant in a cave. That's where it is. 
Verse 6, And some of those that followed him came to mark the way, but they could not find it. And when Jeremy perceived, he blamed them, saying, As for that place, it shall be unknown until the time that God gather his people again together and receive them unto mercy. We will never find where Jeremy hid the Ark of the Covenant until Jesus comes back. And maybe it may even be talking about new heaven and new earth, but probably when Jesus comes back, it'll be revealed. Verse 8, Then shall the Lord show them these things, and the glory of the Lord shall appear, and the cloud also, as it was shown under Moses, and as when Solomon desired that the place might be honorably sanctified. It was also declared that he being wise, Jeremy, or maybe Solomon, offered the sacrifice of the dedication and of the finishing of the temple. So here is a feast of dedication before Hanukkah, before the generation of the Maccabees. Talking about in the times of Solomon, I think, or maybe Moses. So verse 10, I think it's Solomon, because then verse 10 says, And as when Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifices, even so prayed Solomon also, and the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings. And Moses said, because the sin offering was not to be eaten, it was consumed. So Solomon kept those eight days. Solomon kept those eight days, talking about a sacrifice of dedication of the finishing of the temple. History repeats itself. And there are foreshadowings that then comes to, comes to pass in different generations. I believe that Hanukkah was definitely ordained of God, but God never said, I command you thus and thus, but left it up to his prophets, left it up to his servants, left it up to his ministers to say it on his behalf inspired them to say it, ordained them to say it. I believe that he ordained Mordecai to send those letters about parents. I believe that God ordained uh, Solomon to do this, Moses to do this, Judas Maccabees to do this. Amen. People are so caught up on... Uh, the letter of what you should and should not do. But guess what? There's a voice from heaven that can tell you what to do and not do. Amen? Now it says here in verse 13, the same things were also reported in the writings and commentaries of uh, Nehemiah and how he founding a library gathered together the acts of the kings and the prophets and of David and the epistles of the kings concerning the holy gifts. In like manner also, Judas gathered together all those things that were lost by reason of the war we had, and they remained with us. Wherefore, 
If you have need, therefore, send some to fetch them unto you. Whereas we then are about to celebrate the purification, we have written unto you, and ye shall do well if you keep the same days. Amen. We also, uh, we hope also that the God that delivered all his people and gave them all an, a heritage and the kingdom and the priesthood and the sanctuary, and he promised in the law, will surely have mercy upon us and gather us together out of every land under heaven into the holy place, for he have delivered us out of great troubles and have purified the place. Now, as concerning Judas Maccabees and his brethren and the purification of the great temple and the dedication of the altar and the wars against Antiochus Epictetes and Eupater his son and the manifest signs that came from heaven unto those that behaved themselves manfully to the honor for uh, Judaism so that being that a few, they overcame the whole country and chased barbarous multitudes. Now here, they did something wrong. Here they did something wrong. Here, uh, the writer of Maccabees, of two Maccabees, applies the glory not to God in verse 21. Uh, well, to God in part of verse 21 but then takes it to glory to a ism, Judaism, a form of religion. Now, do not make a mistake about it. Judaism is not the same as obedience to God. It's not the same. Judaism is mixing the say of the Lord with Babylonian, Assyrian, demonic, satanic holidays, which still exist, uh, and not the holidays that were ordained that we're talking about, but false holidays, pagan holidays, that, that do not glorify God, and other things that do not glorify God, that are a deception and a trap and a snare to people. Amen. Now, the word Judaism also appears in the book of Galatians. Now, we're going to go back to Maccabees in a different chapter in a minute, but I want to show you that Judaism is not good. It is a religion of man. And the writer of Maccabees did wrong. It wasn't thus say of the Lord that this honors Judaism or that it's for Judaism. It's not thus say of the Lord. That's man speaking there. That's man speaking there. Even somebody that is anointed of God can sometimes let the flesh get in the way and kind of mix in the words of God and the words of the flesh. It happens all the time. It's easy to do. Let's look at New American Standard Galatians chapter 1. New American Standard Galatians chapter 1. Huh. 
Jesus is king. Jesus is in control. Jesus is my king. And I am covered under the blood of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I am covered under the blood of Jesus. The almighty God of heaven and earth. In the name of Jesus. I come against every spirit of witchcraft. Every plot against me should be turned against them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Galatians 1. Verse 13 in New American Standard. Galatians 1, verse 13, New American Standard. Paul writing to the church of uh, Galatia. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. Former life in Judaism. Paul left Judaism. Amen. Rightfully so. How I used to persecute the church of God, the ecclesia of God, the called out ones, sanctified ones of God, beyond measure and tried to destroy them. For I, and I was advancing in Judaism. He was in Judaism, and he was getting deeper, and he was getting deeper in it, and he was getting higher in it. He was a, it says in the Bible that he was a chief, a chief, of the Pharisees. He was a leader of the Pharisees. He was huge into Judaism. Amen. A lot of people today are very deep in isms, the isms of traditions of the elders of of falsehood, of lies, of deceptions, of traditions that are not God-ordained, that do not glorify God. Amen. That Paul had an enlightening. Paul had a deliverance. Amen. But he had to be struck down first. And that's what a lot of people need. I had to be struck down. I had to hit rock hard bottom. And I thank God I hit rock hard bottom. But God lifted me back up. And then I was able to see and I was delivered from the darkness. Amen. I'm covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood paid the price for me. Amen. And now we are a new man in Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord God. Look here, verse 14. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Ancestral traditions. What was passed down from mommy and daddy? What was passed down from grandparents, from generation, from generation, generational sins, generational curses, generational deceptions, customs, and traditions of mankind that had been lifted up to be the commandments of God. There are some customs and traditions, as we've been going over with, Purim and Hanukkah, that are ordained of God. Even though God used man to speak it forth, they were ordained of God. But then there are some that are not ordained of God. And they have a holy appearance. All these people of the Nobel Prizes, they have a holy appearance. There are the white horsemen, which are demons. The white horse, the, the black horse, the red horse, the green horse, they're all demons. 
The demons are behind some of these ancestral traditions that have been handed down to us from Assyria, from Babylon, from Egypt. And we have to rid ourselves of those idols of our heart. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. We have got to circumcise our heart. We've got to pull out the sword of Jesus Christ and cut that flesh off our heart, spiritually speaking. Amen. We no longer have to be circumcised in the flesh because that flesh is not going to exist in the new heaven and new earth. That flesh is nothing. That flesh is rotten and decaying even as we speak. As the Spirit of God is manifesting stronger and stronger and stronger, the flesh is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. In the flesh, I am already past the promise of my life. I had a doctor many years ago, said many, 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 many years ago, decades ago, told me I was already half past my life and, and, and sent people to help me fill out my will, unless we will testament. But I'm alive. Amen. Praise God. Because the Holy Spirit has quickened me and kept me alive, preserved me, delivered me, healed me, and sanctified me. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. And God has always delivered me out of the hands of all my enemies, every one of them, without exception. Amen. And give all glory to the Father God in Jesus' holy name. Praise the Lord Jesus. Judaism is not good. And I'll tell you this, I have Jewish bloodline. I have forefathers that came over fleeing persecution in Germany back in the year 1700 that came over and landed in Virginia. I have that history in my blood, in my ancestry. So I'm not prejudiced against the Jews. I'm not prejudiced against the Jews. I am Jew by blood. But by the blood of Jesus, I'm saved. And I don't care nothing about isms anymore. I'm delivered of isms. Paul is delivered of isms. And now my goal is to point you to Jesus Christ and out of isms, out of Pentecostalisms, and out of Catholicism, out of Lutheranism, out of Methodism, and come to Jesus Christ. And only Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. There is no other way. Anybody that's trying to climb up any other way is a thief and a liar and a robber. We don't climb up through Luther. We don't climb up through a denomination of our parents, of our culture, of our society. Only through Jesus Christ, the stairway to heaven. Amen. Praise God. Now let's go back to 2 Maccabees. And let's go to chapter 10. 2 Maccabees chapter 10, which was a book in the original 1611 King James that now has been taken out. It was taken out in the year 1666. 
taken out of the 1611 King James Version in 1666. And it's important for you to read the book of Maccabees. It's tremendously, extremely important. Extremely important for our day and our time of the eighth king of Assyria. That is, and he left, amen, Assad left the broadcast. I don't care who listens. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. 2 Maccabees, chapter 10, verse 1. 2 Maccabees 10, verse 1. Now Maccabees and his children, no, his company. Now Maccabees and his company, the Lord guiding them, recovered the temple and the city. But the altars, which the heathen had built in the open street, and also the chapels they poured down. And having cleansed the temple, they made another altar, and striking stones they took fire out of them, and offered a sacrifice after two years, and set forth incense and lights and shoe bread. And when that was done, they fell down flat, they fell flat down and besought the Lord that they might come no more into such troubles, that if they sinned any more against him, that he himself would chastise them with mercy and that they might not be delivered unto the blasphemous and the barbarous nations. Now, upon the same day that the strangers profaned the temple, the same day of the year, but two, two years later or three years later, on the very same day, it was cleansed again, even the 25th day of the same month, which the pagan Babylonian Assyrian name is Kashlu. Kashlu. <clears throat> and they kept eight days with gladness in the feast of in the, uh, uh, gladness as in the feast of tabernacles. Now, tabernacles had been only two months earlier. Only two months earlier, they had kept the feast of tabernacles, and now they're keeping Hanukkah. Remembering that not long before they had held the Feast of Tabernacles, when as they wandered in the mountains and dens like beasts, two months before Hanukkah, they were hiding in caves. They were hiding in the mountains like beasts, like animals. When Antiochus had invaded Judea, they fled to the mountains. This was hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Uh, when the, the abomination of desolation came on the 25th day of the ninth month of that year of uh, something B.C., Antiochus, the king of Syria, Assad, invaded Judea and the people fled to the mountains. They had no time to get, they had no time to get up, uh, come down from the roof, because people spent a lot of time on the roof back then. It was their social place, like a front porch or back porch. They had no time to come down out of the roof to come and gather their clothes. They had to just run on foot, flee for their life. And that is the way it was with the Roman Empire in 70 A.D. 
And that is the way that history repeats itself time after time after time. Amen. As these same fallen angels are still alive, still involved in the empires of mankind, even as Daniel chapter 2, I believe it says, that, that in the end time, that those ten toes will mix uh, are uh, basically fallen angels mixing with the seed of man, the Nephilim. It's real, people. It's real. Amen. But they, only two months before this victory, only two months, only two months, they had kept feet to tabernacles hiding in the mountains. Amen. But now, now, God gives the victory. Amen. Praise God. Verse 7. Therefore, amen. Praise the Lord. We are going to have the victory. Yes, we're going to have to flee to the mountains. Amen. A lot of people will. A lot of people are going to be fleeing. You're not going to hear this in the isms of the church. You're not going to hear this in the Baptist church. You're not going to hear this in the Pentecostal church because the pastors are ignorant of the Bible. And that's just the truth. I'm just here to share the truth. The pastors are ignorant of the Bible. The history of the Bible, the history of the empires, and what the Bible says did happen and will happen. Amen. Totally ignorant. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, as it says in Hosea. People need to read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Read Maccabees. It was in the Bible before they took it out. Amen. Read Maccabees. Very important for this end time. Now verse 7. That's 2 Maccabees 10. Verse 7. Therefore, they bear branches and fair broths and palms also and sung songs unto him that had given them good success. In other words, sung songs to God. Who had given them good success in cleansing his place. They ordered also by a common statute and decree, meaning law and decree, that every year those days should be kept of the whole nation of the Jews. And this was the end of Antiochus called Epiphanes, or at least they so thought. They thought he was dead and gone. But the New Testament, the book of Revelation, says the eighth king will be one of the seven, one of the seven previous empires, one of the ten heads, one of the previous kings from a different empire to reestablish his empire in the end time. Amen. We've got to come out of these isms of man. We turn to Jesus Christ. Because the isms of man turn to Ezekiel chapter 8. Ezekiel 8. New American Standard Bible. King James, whatever you want to read. Ezekiel 8. The isms of man have done this. I've been showing you some examples in the scriptures of traditions that have been God-blessed. Param and Hanukkah. Traditions that are God-blessed, important for us to remember and observe. 
But now I'm going to show you traditions of man that are not God-blessed, not God-ordained. These are Assyrian traditions. The Roman Empire still exists through the Roman Catholic Church, through the Roman Catholic calendar, through the Roman numerals, through lots of other things. The Roman Empire still exists. But guess what? The Assyrian Empire still exists as well. And I'll show you how. Ezekiel 8, verse 16. Then he brought me, God brought Ezekiel, into the inner court of the Lord's house. The temple, the same temple that which is read about in Maccabees. Uh, This might be the first temple rather than the second temple, perhaps. They brought me into the Lord's house, and behold, at the entrance of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, about 25 men with their backs to the temple of the Lord, and their faces toward the east, and they were prostrating themselves eastward toward the sun. In other words, they were in the midst of worship. And these 25 men are priests. These 25 represent the 24 orders of priests plus the high priest. There was 24 orders of priests plus the high priest. These are the elders of the church. These are the leaders of Judaism. These are the leaders of isms. And instead of facing the correct way, instead of worshiping God, they had their faces toward the east. And what's in the east? The sun rises in the east. It is morning time. They are worshiping the sun. The sun god Ra is what they are doing, known by many other different names. And this is still done every Easter sunrise service. This is the traditions of man. Notice it says, eastward toward the sun, the last words of verse 16, eastward toward the sun. The only time the sun is in the east is only in the morning. It rises in the east. This is Easter sunrise service. You know what the word Easter means? It's in honor of Queen Easter. Easter is an Assyrian word, and it was an Assyrian sex god, also known as an Assyrian spring god, spring fertility. That's how their Easter rabbit got involved in it. It's because the Easter rabbit was a uh, sacred symbol in Assyria for sex and fertility, multiplication, how rabbits multiply quickly. It's all about uh, springing forth uh, uh, incarnation. It's all about incarnation. This is where the Hinduism and the Buddhism comes in. They're all tied together. They all have the same origin. Uh, Hinduism and Buddhism all descend from Islam. Islam is the origin of Islamism. 
Islam. That's where you get your isms. It all goes back to even the Catholic Church comes from Islam. People think that the Catholic Church founded Islam, but the opposite is true. It's Islam that founded the Catholic Church. Islam existed in the the times of Ezekiel. Judaism, remember, I am of Jewish bloodline. Judaism is a branch of Islam. If you go to the website, isolalifeministries.com, look for the article about Judaism and Islam are the same. Remember, I'm of the bloodline of the Jews. But I was, but no longer, because now that man is dead, and now I'm alive. Amen. I'm no longer, I never was in Judaism, but my bloodline don't matter, only the blood of Jesus. We've got to come out of these isms, traditions. Oh, my family did it. My grandparents did it. We do it. Whole society do it. What about the children? What about the children's feelings? Well, the children, guess what? Want the truth. They do. Children want the truth. They don't want you to lie to them. Children hate to be lied to. Children hate to be deceived. Children want the truth. If you just tell them the truth, come clean with them. They're going to be mad with you for a while, rightfully so. But if you keep them in the truth, start teaching them the truth, keep them in the truth, they will appreciate it. They will come around and they will say, I don't want to go back. Once you tell the truth to children, but we got to grow up first. we got to grow up first. The church got to get saved first before we can raise our children right. The church has to get saved. The church needs to get saved. The church today is filled with spots, wrinkles, and blemishes. If Jesus comes back today, nobody would go. Nobody. We need to understand that. The church is not ready because we're still filled with the spots, wrinkles, of the blemishisms of Islam. Now look at here, verse 17. He said to me, do you see this, son of man? Is it a light thing for the house of Judah to commit the abominations which they have committed here, that they have filled the land with violence and provoked me repeatedly? For behold, they are cutting the twig to their nose. Therefore, I indeed would build in wrath My eye will not have pity, nor will I spare. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet I will not listen to them. You can cry out all you want. Pray all you want. Talk all you want. Preach all you want. Go to church all you want. And say, it's not wrong. It's just a tradition. It's just a custom. It's not wrong. Belonging. Easter, Queen Easter, a Syrian holiday, documented, easy to find, do your research, prove all things, 1 Thessalonians 5. You don't have to believe me. I don't want you to believe me. It's right here. Believe this scripture. Believe this scripture. Amen. Easter existed long before, long before Jesus ever was born in the flesh. Easter does not glorify Jesus Christ. It glorifies Assad. 
Easter glorifies Nimrod. Easter glorifies the Assyrian son of perdition, the one you call the Antichrist. That's just the truth. It's just the truth. And people's going to be awful surprised when the president of Syria, the Assyrian, and Alkakis of Pritchis, known today as Assad, fallen angel, when he stands on the Temple Mount claiming to be God and the fallen angel of both, two fallen angels of both living popes, two horns of the uh, false prophet of Revelation 13, when they stand by his side as the Trinity, Assad and both popes, standing there as the Trinity, reincarnations and all this Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, and Islam all mixed together and all the world's religions mixed together. Can't you see it happening before your eyes? You don't have to believe me. Just look at the news. See it. Look at it with your own eyes. It's happening. We've got to wake up. We've got to wake up. What time and generation we're living in, what the Bible really says. But we can't understand the Bible until we're willing to give up the isms and turn to Jesus Christ. Repent and return unto me, saith the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. I encourage you to look, research, fast, pray, seek the Almighty God, His Word and His truth. Amen. We've got to come out of these isms, denominations, denominational doctrines, denominational uh, holidays. Hanukkah and Purim are not a part of Judaism. They are God-ordained. Amen. God-ordained. The seventh day, God-ordained. The seventh day is not a Hebrew roots thing. It's a God-ordained thing. It is a Ten Commandments thing. It's a Jesus Christ thing. We need to figure out what is the traditions of man and what is the commandments of God? What is the traditions of man that are ordained of God? And what are the traditions of man that are ordained of the devil? They know the difference. People today don't know the difference between any of these things. Amen. We need to know the difference. More now than ever before. Time is short. Time is short. When you get serious by our walk with the Lord. Amen. I believe that is everything that God has given me to share with you today. And I really encourage you to read the Bible more now than ever before. And when you read it, don't read into it what traditional denominational isms of man have taught you to read into it. Read it to understand it. Amen. Read it 
to learn what it's teaching rather than what man has taught you. Amen. Study to show thyself approved. Finding the perfect will of God. I encourage you to visit the ministry website, I saw the light ministries dot com. I saw the light ministries dot com. And that website is meant to point you to the scriptures. Amen. And to Jesus Christ. Now we're here on this broadcast every Saturday at twelve noon Eastern time. But you can also listen over the phone or over the Internet, several different ways. All of those instructions are on the website as well. We also have the local services here. Now, the local services start at 11.30 a.m., 11.30 a.m. every Saturday. If you want to come, be with us in person. And over the phone and Internet, it starts at noon. Uh, And again... I know I've said a lot of things you never heard before, sound strange, may sound wrong, may sound like false prophecy because you never heard it before. I don't want you to believe what I said, but I want you to read the Bible, pray, fast, and read more of the Bible. Pray more, fast more, seek the Lord. He will Amen. Thank you for listening to the live Sabbath services of I Saw the Light Ministries. This is Pastor Tim signing out. And until next time, may God bless you in amazing ways. All glory to the Father in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.